Welcome back to uh, the Lineals Podcast. I'm here with uh, I'm Smith, and I'm here with my uh, my co-host, my uh, my good friend Seth. And uh, we were actually going to change our format for the show. Now we're changing the whole show up. Seth, do you know this? I I think I've yeah. probably told you this beforehand. I think uh, it was in a memo you sent me. Yeah, we're now a Westworld fan podcast. This is all Westworld all the time. We're talking yes. about our, our Westworld theories. Our, uh, our hopes, our dreams, we're going to discuss every episode of, of Westworld from now on uh, until the show ends, and at which point we'll end the podcast. It'll be over. So my theory is that we are the hosts, and the show is full of humans. I mean, I just can't wait for John Hurt's character to finally meet Rosario Dawson's character, and we're going to learn out some all kinds of informations about the robots. That's going to be great. going to share some information across the i mean because you know john hurt is uh, I, I think his alien empire uh contacts probably know more about the robots than we do right and they'll they'll be able to help us out here i've i've lost your train of consciousness here <laughs> I, I don't even know what you're doing right now we're trying to we're, we're spoofing the idea of a uh, fan podcasts here come on this is this isn't hard you can do this uh yeah that sounds good. Then John Connor is going to come back and just destroy Dolores. Is this how this is done? <laughs> You're close, I guess. Okay. Isn't so, it weird? Hold on. But on the subject of fan, like, I don't know, uh, podcasts or whatever, I want to, like, the Talking Dead always gets me, right? Because it's a show about a show that is also on the TV right after the show it's about ends. Yes. Like... What kind? What? I mean, that's the, the cushiest thing you could think of, right? Like you just all you gotta do is come on there and talk about the show that just happened. Yeah, that you just and watched. And you probably money. even got people from that show on there. Yeah, that's that's easy money. And the worst part is, like, they started the Talking Dead back when the show was still at least somewhat watchable, mm-hmm. and then now it's still going. So that Chris Hardwick has to pretend like it's a show worth watching every week. Every time it goes over, and it, I just feel bad for the man. He just has to, he just has to pretend like he's watching a good show. And I know that's a terrible thing to feel so bad about somebody for, but still, goddamn. Yeah, that uh, The Walking Dead is really sort of like uh, dropped off in quality pretty, pretty severely. Uh, I still watch it though because yeah, you still watch it because you have an insane tolerance for absolute garbage television. That is true. That is very true. I hate I hate myself. Uh, and the things like well, here's the thing. I balance it out with good TV though. Like I watch Atlanta, right, or like uh, Legion. So I, it's kind of like I take some good, take some bad, you know. Yeah, but there was, and I want to point this out to the viewers. There was a time where you were in the final stretch of Mad Men, one of the mm-hmm. greatest television shows of all time, in my top probably three favorite shows ever. And he's in the final stretch, the seventh season, just. Amazing episode after amazing episode. I literally could not stop watching. I watched the whole season in about two days between work. Could not stop. This man decides to watch one episode of Mad Men and three episodes of Gotham. By the way, I've never seen Gotham. I don't know how good the show is, but I know for a fact it's not better than Mad Men. You're not wrong about that. You're not wrong about that. And this man decided that it was three times more worth a watch every day than Mad Men. I'm not sure if it's actually if it's is that with my calculation. I don't think that is that. an exact representation. <laughs> I don't think I thought that Gotham was three times better than Mad Men. I you said I it was three I, times more worth a watch every night. More that's what worth I said. A watch. I don't think that's true. Though. I think my my calculation was Mad Men is so good 
I want to like dole it out in smaller doses. There's no reason to so dole out a show that's been over for five years. Well, There's sure no there reason. Is. Sure there is, because once you're done with it, you're done, right? That's it. You're not going to see any more of it. I don't agree with this assessment. I think watch it so that all the people who've been talking about it for five years, you can now talk about it with. Oh, okay. That's Unless they bring point. back Mad Men. Which, I, mean, I guess they could. It would just be every character having cancer and being in a hospital. <laughs> You think that would be it? They wouldn't I, do like a... There like is the no 80s? way you smoke that much and drink that much and do that many drugs and have that crazy of a lifestyle at the age they were and not end up with some form of ridiculous cancer and be close to death within the next 10 years. Now, I want to point out, for a counterfactual to what you just said, our very own grandfather. I don't think he lived the lifestyle these Mad Men guys did. I mean, he was always drinking and smoking, he was, though. He was, like... he was always drinking and smoking. That's healthy, okay? <laughs> Some of the other stuff they did, just... just like what? I think it compounded. Oh, that time that, that Don Draper did crystal meth? Yeah, you're right. Oh, man, and then the episode where Sterling did LSD was so good. My that is true. favorite episode of the whole show. That was, a, that was fantastic. Um... So yeah, we got some actual like podcasting to talk about. Some yeah, let's stop having topics. fun. Yeah, we can't have fun anymore. Now you get into the serious business of of talking about politics and the news and shit. You ready to do that? I mean, I guess I've done it before. Oh man, so I want to start off uh, this episode with talking about uh, not really a political issue, but an economic one. I think, which is. Uh, Something we don't think about too often, but it's going to like totally make sense when we get into it. And it's that right now, according to the Pew Research Center, uh, or well, in 2017, 56 million millennials were either working or looking for work, which makes them the biggest working generation in American history, which, you know, no duh, right? Of course, as time goes on, there's more population, generations get bigger. But think about that. 56 million people... Millennials were, lo- were looking for work or working in 2017. That's huge. Yeah, it's the biggest percentage of the workforce. And think about how many of them are, you know, still seeking work or didn't find, you know, uh, uh, equitable employment for themselves, yeah. right? Well, don't worry. They're just going to become Uber drivers or Lyft drivers, so they'll be fine because those companies treat you perfectly. I mean, didn't we didn't we just read about this about a guy who was driving for over thirteen hours a day so that he could survive and like and had to live in his car? Yeah, it's fucked up, man. It's yeah, it's and then the thing is, and it's not just that one guy. It's like almost the story I was reading. Almost every person, every lift he hopped into, the person was like, "Oh yeah, I have to do this to eat," you know? Yeah, and you know what? Speaking of that, I have something new that we can talk about. Uh, just happened uh, very recently, two days ago. This is an article from uh, The Guardian uh, called, or the title is, uh, World Bank Recommends Fewer Regulations Protecting Workers. Nice. <laughs> Sounds uh, smart. This is by Larry Elliott, the economics editor uh, over at The Guardian, and it starts off with, the World Bank is proposing lower minimum wages and greater hiring and firing powers for employers as part of a wide-ranging deregulation of labor markets deemed necessary to prepare countries for the changing nature of work. One thing that's always uh, been good for the working class in America is deregulation of markets. Oh, yeah. It's always worked out pretty good for everybody involved. Yeah. It's a dream. Um, 
so it says right here, uh, a working draft of the bank's flagship world development report, which will use policy action from governments when it comes out in the autumn, says less burdensome regulations are needed so that firms can hire workers at lower cost. The controversial recommendations, which are aimed mainly at developing countries, have alarmed groups representing labor, which they say have so far been frozen out of the bank's consultation process. Peter Backvis, a Washington rep representative for the International Trade Union Confederation, said the proposals were harmful, retrograde, and out of sync with the shared prosperity agenda put forward by the bank's president, Jim Yong Kim. He added that the WDR's vision of the future world of work would see firms relieved of the burden of contributing to Social Security, have the flexibility to pay wages as low as they wanted, and to fire at will. Unions would have a diminished role in the new arrangements for expanding workers' voices. The paper, quote, almost completely ignores workers' rights, asymmetric power in the labor market, and phenomena such as declining labor share and national income, quote, back this said. So just as a note from me here, Smith, the guy reading this article, uh, this is pretty fucked up that they want to suggest that we need to have even, I mean, we barely have protections for workers as it is. Let's make them even worse? What the fuck? Yeah, let's just, let's just treat these workers worse than they even deserve to be in the first place. And I just don't understand, I mean, how the fuck this could be a, a thing and I think really they, get, they give away the, the farm right now here, the, the little section that says, uh, the paper says that labor regulations, quote, protect the few who hold formal jobs while leaving out most workers. And the sort of social protection schemes that began with German Chancellor Otto von Bismarck in the late 19th century were not appropriate because they cover only a third of developing country populations. And what they're, what they're saying here is basically that the traditional workers are the ones who benefit from this, but the other people, these nebulous other people won't. They're talking about slave labor and Uber drivers. Basically, yes. That's an argument I always heard about unions is unions don't help these new workers. And I'm like, maybe they should, though. Maybe if you didn't fucking deregulate them and destroy their power, they would be able to help those new workers. Yeah, because unions at their core that's what they strive to do but because of how many regulations are put on them which that shouldn't be a thing unions should be able to operate within themselves and within their own guidelines um to keep workers safe and you know all protected and all have some kind of safety net um but instead they can't do that because of all these regulations and now they get blamed for it the unions get blamed for the regulations that are put on them yeah and then they people say, oh, unions don't do anything. Like, I, I keep hearing people say, oh, unions didn't do anything for me. I don't have a union. I'm like, yeah, you don't have a union because they don't want you to have a union, right? They, they want you to stay fucking uh, uh, oppressed under the, under their thumb, right? Yeah. Why, why, why would any robber baron want a union? Yeah, so... It just, it's really stupid that they are, I mean, the, the World Bank, the fucking World Bank. Now, I'm not a fan of the World Bank. I'm not sure if I know anybody who is a fan of the World Bank, but this kind of bullshit just pisses me off that they are sitting here saying that the best way to help people is to protect them less. And, it, I mean, come on. Come on. That never fucking works. You've got to have a social safety net in, in place for people under capitalism. If you don't have that, 
It's just, it's, I mean, it, capitalism is barbaric even with that, but it's even more barbaric without it, right? Like, it's it's even it's even more terrible. Yeah, and this whole thing reminds me of this other headline from this week. I don't remember who said it, but he was saying that it's time for, he's like, yeah, it's time for people to give back. It's time for the 99% to give back to the 1%. Like, we, we owe the 1% something. And it's like, that's what we do already. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's like, all we do. Yeah. What do we do besides feed in to their egos and their pockets every day, every hour of every week? But you know what? Speaking of, of the 99% giving back to the 1% as an idea, there is there are some, a rare few members of the 1% who I think are probably, I wouldn't call them good but I would say they are, they are at least aware of the unfairness of the system. Would you agree there are a few people like that? They do what? Uh, that are billionaires or millionaires or whatever, but they're aware of the unfairness inherent in the system. Yes. And the one I want to talk about is one that everybody knows, and it's Bill Gates. Yes. We all know Bill Gates, right? He fucking invented computers, basically. Uh, Windows and all that was Bill Gates, right? Yes. And so uh, everyone knows who he is. They all know he's... he's, I think most people probably think he's the richest person in the world, but he's not, right? He hasn't been in a long time. Okay, yeah. But I think... Was he he at one point? Yeah, he was. Okay. Back in the heyday. Um, But yeah, uh, there's an article over here that I found. uh, Well, it's an excerpt, actually, from... I'm not sure how many years ago it was, like three or so years ago, but everyone knows that Bill Gates is real big into philanthropy, right? And he wants to give away most of his fortune before he dies. Um... But he said, uh, and this is this is from the article actually, um, with a net worth in the neighborhood of eighty billion dollars, Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates has no hesitation answering questions about what sort of economic policies the country should follow. When he was asked this Sunday how he'd respond to those folks who think ta- who thinks cuts in taxes and regulations will unleash productivity, Gates criticized the notion. Quote. The highest economic growth decade was the 1960s. Income tax rates were 90%, he said on CNN's Fareed Zakaria GPS in May 17, 2015. Quote, I mean, the idea there's, there's some direct connection that all these innovators are on strike because tax rates are 35% on corporations, that's just nonsense. Yeah. Because so it, it is. Yeah. So it seems like Bill Gates talking about the '60s when you know when the tax rates on the rich were ninety percent, he understands right. Like he kind of he, he seems to be to get it right that uh, they should be taxed more. Yeah, and that the only reason that how do I say this? The only reason that they think that a thirty-five percent tax rate is so bad is just because they're greedy. I mean, that's all it comes down to is that. They've become accustomed because of the way that things are, the way that uh, the current conservative party and the Republicans have made laws and tax breaks these days. They've become accustomed to having this and that they should be making more money, so they don't want it to be taken away. And so they claim that it's going to be a hit to productivity or that it's going to, you know, ruin the working class and it's going to make everything worse, when in reality, it's the opposite. Let's not forget that the 1960s were the last decade when some semblance of New Deal uh, tax rate still existed because after this in the 70s, you know, the um, the fucking t- corporations lobbied the government to drop their tax rate 
while at the same time we saw wages stagnate for workers and that's when they started to really accumulate like you can look on graphs and charts and see that income inequality in the 60s was still there were millionaires and billionaires but then in the 70s it just fucking completely divides in two different directions as the poor just get poorer the rich get richer and it's exactly. because of these that their their wealth allowed them to buy politicians Exactly. And so that's why I think that if you're going to be taxed lower as a company, you need to pay your workers equivalently. Oh, for sure. No, no doubt at all about that. But then at that point, it's just you're just making the same amount of money, and nobody wants that. So. Now, everybody wants to be uh, – everybody wants – because the whole, the whole nature of capitalism is the idea is – that a corporation has to make as much money as possible for its shareholders, right? Like it's it's you know required to do that by its charter. So they got the, the only thing that matters is more profit, and that means fucking over anybody, anything in, in the way of doing that. Yeah. It's, and oh, go ahead. It's fucked up. All this. I mean, we talk about it. We talk about the Bezos and the Zuckerberg and the Musk. All this. That's all we talk about, and it's it's not getting any better. You know. No, it's not, and it it just incentivizes uh, the worst, you know, parts of humanity coming out when you think only about your self interest and no one else, right? Like yes. And speaking of only thinking of your self interest and no one else, and just mentioning Elon Musk, mm-hmm. uh, a really interesting factoid, I guess you could call it, about the Tesla factory came out this week, um, or it might have been this week. I read it this week, saying. People were wondering why in the facility there's no, like, yellow lines, like caution lines and stuff to uh, direct traffic and everything between the workers and the machines and everything. And when one of the facility, like, leads was asked this question, he was like, oh, Elon doesn't like the color yellow. <laughs> and that is just... that I think that just kind of sums up the whole situation we're in now. These billionaires literally putting aside the safety of other people because of their own self-interest even if that self-interest is just a color you don't like wasn't it also he doesn't like the beeping sound that forklifts make as well when they back up maybe i didn't even read that that's probably true though i would not believe it so like he's letting people get run over by their by fucking forklifts because he can't stand the sound of the beeping and i'm like how much time is elon musk spending yeah. on the factory floor how often is he at that that factory to where this is a, such a big issue yeah, like, when, when's he coming down there to see what's going on? I'm, also, I'm guessing probably not often. Also, pick the color. If, if you have to, if you hate the yellow so much, use caution lines. Just use a different color, please. Yeah, do you know, something. Use, like, bright orange or something. Just something that you can see and notice and can help you be safe. Dude, I hear all kinds of horror stories from the fucking Tesla factory people. It's insane. They're yeah, trying to unionize and shit. To, yeah, he tries to incentivize them to work harder so he can meet quotas but without paying them anymore and almost like threatening their livelihood it's just what a stand-up guy he is and everyone's still so many people in the public just love elon musk and think he's the savior of america and the whole world um but yeah he's just full of shit like everybody else oh yeah his fucking fan club just constantly trying to suck his dick is incredible to me the people that worship this dude like, he could do no wrong or some shit because he's, I don't know, smart. Is he smart? Is he actually a smart guy? I guess he has. I guess he has to be. I mean, I know that, like, he started out, like, like a computer engineer or whatever. And, I mean, if you, you're pretty smart if you can do all that stuff. So he's probably a smart guy, but I don't know 
if he's like an actual genius or if he just now has enough money where he can you know fund these crazy ideas he had his whole life so at some point he did actual work on on a computer right wasn't he like a pay wasn't he one of the founders of paypal yeah 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 he did paypal with what's his face Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel, yes. Oh my fucking god, a whole other whole other fucking can of worms that dude is. Yeah. But so yeah, I guess, I guess at some point he did do actual work, but now all I see him doing is selling ideas and then never making them, right? Like his whole hyperloop thing or he's going to like yeah. you're going to get a 30 minute train ride from New York to Washington. It's going to be great. And then the government was like he doesn't have permits to do that. We're not going <laughs> That's never been discussed. They're like is it possible? Sure. Is it going to happen? Definitely not. Mm-mm. No, I think he is building some kind of like scale model of it out in California, but it's not. It doesn't go anywhere or do anything. It's just a model, is all it is. It's a proof of concept. Yeah. So, hey, yeah, I don't like the guy. Plenty of people do. I feel like hopefully one day we'll have he'll have his own Zuckerberg moment because people used to love Zuckerberg now, and I think even even people who still don't think Zuckerberg did anything wrong or, like, don't care about what he did that was wrong, don't like him anymore. So I guess that's kind of a good thing. I will say this. After the revolution, I definitely want to uh, 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 expropriate um, uh, Elon Musk's big boring machines, uh, the ones that, that cut those big holes in the ground, yeah. uh, because, man, we do need some better mass transit around here, and that is well, a good idea. What a better name than the big boring machine. <laughs> Dude, it's literally called The Boring Company. That's great. Yeah, I made this, this new thing. It's called The Big Boring Machine. Next. <laughs> You're going to love it. It's going to be... It cuts big holes in the ground. It's, no, it's no, get it, guys. It makes boreholes. Get it? Next. Boreholes bore sounds like the term they use in uh, in uh, bestiality communities for uh, uh, pig vaginas. Next, uh, <laughs> I want out of this. You want out of this? Out of this? this, this I want out of this discussion. world. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, it's actually pretty interesting how I see some people on the left, anyways, who want to inherently reject technology, and sometimes I have the same instinct as well because of how many bad things it's done for us. Yeah. But there's nothing inherently wrong with technology, right? It's all in the moral application of it. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with technology at all. It's just, I mean, you you can use anything, you know. There's nothing inherently wrong with religion, but plenty of people use that as a vehicle for terrible shit. True, so, true. So, you know, like, there's a lot of things that you can... It's all. It all comes down to the fact, you know, something we learned from Westworld is that, at the end of the day, people are just assholes. And they're gonna... They can take anything you give them and learn how to be an asshole with it. Yeah. Although, here's the thing. I don't really see what would the moral use of the technology in Westworld be, or at least the big one, the host, right? What would, how could you use that in like a, like a, a leftist sense that wouldn't be evil? What would the moral use of it be? Yeah. Um, I think that the only moral use of it, and I don't even know if moral is the right word, but the only semi-neutral use of it would to be an amusement park like Westworld. I don't see how you could use that technology in actual society and it benefit us too many. Unless we were to, you know, the whole idea of the fully automated society with you know, universal basic income where everyone's taken care of. If for some reason we didn't just want actual robots doing work and we just wanted it to still look like people were doing work, that would be a use. But I don't see how 
that would matter at that point. Yeah, I think my my big thing for it is that they have invented you know artificial consciousness. Yeah, and there's no, and then they enslaved it, right? There's no, there's no way around that. We would, I think that would be one technology that we would probably look at and be like, no, probably not. Interesting idea, but no. Oh, I know, I know, we're we're not even looking at the biggest use, honestly. Sex robots. But they okay. The the appearance technology or whatever the 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 uh, mechanical side of things, sure. But they don't need to have conscious minds, right? Sure. If that's, how, if that's how you see sex. I mean, it would be cruel to. Who give, needs a consciousness? It would give. It would be cruel to give a a, a conscious a, a sex robot a consciousness because uh, you've you've created a sex slave. Well, yeah, but it's a robot, so it's fine. Congratulations, you invented the concubine. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, so I always see kind of these, like, Luddite-type uh, arguments sometimes, and I'm like, no, it's not that the technology is bad, it's that it hasn't been applied in a way that is, is good for most people. Because there are plenty of good things you can do with technology that uh, just are being, they're, they're being used for evil, right? Yeah, technology is just, it's just fun stuff. But, you know, you can use it the wrong way. Like, we saw it with uh, with the uh, atomic bomb, right? Like, uh, nuclear power, I think, is probably the future for for, for uh, power generation, right? For us. I mean, solar, wind, nuclear is yeah. kind of, like, going to have to be the future. But what do we do? We, t- we use it for bombs, you know? We use it to blow shit up. Yeah, so is- then a lot of people's first exposure to the idea of nuclear power or the first thing they think of is nuclear bombs and they're like I don't want a bomb power in my toaster and it's like that's not how it works you, you're thinking about it wrong yeah it sucks because Bill Clinton back in the 90s got pressured under, I think Three Mile Island to shut down a lot of our new nuclear facilities we were going to work on and that sucks because we're still using much much worse fossil fuels to, that are making shit you know making the environment suck yeah. That's a very scientific way of describing it, but yes. So that's that's too bad because nuclear power is is clean, you know, it's clean burning. But it it, cre- it creates the the waste, but I mean, if we had a better society, we could dispose of the waste, you know. Yeah, I mean, I said it last week. I'll say it again. Steven Spielberg's instant classic, Ready Player One, <laughs> had a quote where it's like, "We're not trying to solve problems; we're trying to outlive them," and. People hear that line, they're like, that's going to suck whenever we get to that point. And I'm like, no, we're, we're living at that point. Should we just go ahead and make that the official motto of the Lineals podcast? Because we'll, you're we'll going to every episode. To, we'll add it to the closeout. We'll make oh, one yeah. more segment of closeout. Awesome. It's just um, going to get more and more expensive. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's true because there are so many things we could innovate. And we could use all this stuff that these, like, these tech guys are coming up with. We could use it. To actually change society and maybe make more recycling programs, more renewable energy programs, and more of this. But instead, we're just going to stick with what we have until it absolutely runs out and we have nothing else to do. And we're going to be fucked for either a long time or till the end of the world. And then we're going to have to we're going to do the same thing with that technology. We're just going to use it until it runs out, and then it's just it's just going to be a vicious cycle that will obviously lead to the end of society as we know it. And I also feel like all these new technologies they're inventing and coming out with are being used for evil purposes, you know, or, or what I would consider to be evil purposes, right? Like, 
uh, I don't know, like all the all the, like the, like okay, let's say Amazon for instance, right? Amazon has created an incredible system by which products can be, you know, ordered and delivered right to people in record time. Yeah. But this be then that you add the profit incentive into it, and you get the much much worse things that happen to people: the abuses of, of workers, the, um, uh, the 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 sort of like pricing and monetization strategies for it. I mean, at that point, shit starts to look pretty fucking rough. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and the thing that nobody really points out is the only advantage that the free market is giving us right now is that companies like Amazon still have to try and have low prices because they, they still have competition. But one day when we all decide that we only want to use Amazon and Amazon wins, or whoever wins, I'm assuming it'll be Amazon, um, they're not going to have to charge us low prices anymore. They're going to be able to charge us whatever we want, whatever they want, and rob us blind for everything to where everyone is sitting at a zero-sum game besides Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. And that's a big that's a big worry for me. And then, yeah, a lot of things they do, just they're just not right. Like the way they treat like UPS drivers and stuff now are like encouraged to use the bathroom in their own trucks instead of getting out taking a bathroom break and a water break um, so they can make more deliveries on time. Um, I'd rather my package take a week if it meant the the driver was treated like a human being than get it in two days, you know? Actually, yeah, that's interesting because I brought this up to a person one time. They said, because I, I mentioned as a joke, you know, not really a joke, but I was saying as a joke, that one day we'll nationalize Amazon, right, and we'll take all their all their the, the great systems they've built and we'll you know use them for the people in a, in a better way. And the person was like, "But you can't do that because the Amazon system requires people to be abused in the warehouses to get things worked, you know, processed and out fast enough." And I said, "Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be that fast, right? Like you could live." for an extra three days without your fucking DVD copy of the stuff from 1985, right? You'll be fine. You can survive. How'd you know what my most recent Amazon order was? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so, I think we could harness it, but also change it so that it wouldn't require massive worker abuses to, to function as fast as it does now, because a lot of the things ordered through Amazon are I would think in a, in a, in a better society, even today's society, because they're like frivolities, right? Like this, you don't need uh, your fucking paperback copy of uh, Onslaught from the fucking Magic the Gathering novels. No, you don't need that in two days. You could wait two weeks for it. You don't need instant gratification. But that's something that's built into the system. Yeah, and once again, you guessed another one on Amazon order, so... <laughs> don't know, don't know how you're getting this information. I have your account. I have your passwords. Um, I only yeah, use it I mean, to, the whole to see idea, what you order. The, only, the whole idea is that if we were to nationalize Amazon um, is that, one, it would be, you know, the, those warehouses that have people working in them, if people were still working in them, would just they would just hire twice as many people and give that many people jobs. Mm-hmm. So they could still be just as efficient, and it wouldn't be a problem because more people would be employed, and you wouldn't have to have all, this, all these issues. Um, there'd be more drivers. There'd be more, there'd be more everything. More people would have jobs because right now all they want to do is have as little people employed as possible so they can make more money. But in our idea, either people, tons of people will be employed, or people will be taken care of through some kind of economic safety net, and robots will be doing the jobs. Either way, people are taken care of, and there you don't have to rob people to achieve your mission. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the dream is that one day we'll be able to 
replace human workers with robots, but not in a bad way, right? Yeah. The, then there'll be there'll be a, a system in place whereby you get compensated regardless of whether or not a robot's doing your job or not. Because I keep saying this, and this has kind of become my personal, you know, guiding ethos is life isn't fair, but it could be. Yeah. We had the power to make things more equitable in our society, and we choose not to for a variety of reasons that are mostly, I think, bullshit, right? Yeah. Yeah, my guy in ethos, it comes from the instant Steven Spielberg classic, Ready Player oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did I not see it coming? <laughs> Jesus Christ, every time. Man, that segue was so inhuman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... ABC I will, would cancel I, it. I, I am cutting... I'm cutting this out of the podcast. No. <laughs> it's just going to be me reacting to the forbidden joke. <laughs> Cannot be fucking made. Oh, my God. Um, I want to talk about something real quick, though. I got I got a little okay. topic for you, if you're interested. Um, I'm it's, not. It's, okay. Well, moving on to... Okay. Uh, let's see here. Go ahead. So, okay. Um, so, I want to talk about the Democrats. The old, old, old Democrats, if you ask me, you know, uh, the the demon rats, uh-huh. yes, as next. I've seen these various appellations applied to them, uh, and how they are, I, I mean, I'm, I'm suspicious of this now, right? I will remain suspicious, um, but they seem like they're being slowly dragged leftwards by, I think, their base and also some politicians among them and independents and whatnot. And I want to talk about Senator Chuck Schumer. Oh, the Schumes. Hate fucking Schumer. Don't like the dude. He sucks. Yeah. But I want to talk about how recently they decided that a big a big part of their platform coming up is going to be decriminalizing marijuana at the federal level. Yeah. Which is a good policy. I, I'm, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. I think that it should be... I th- yeah, that's, I think that's right, except for the fact that the whole idea is we're going to decriminalize it at the federal level and the states should be able to take care of what they want. I guess that's good for now, but in, in reality it should just be decriminalized no matter what. You can't, nobody has a law for it, you know? Just, yeah. It should be decriminalized. Pretty much all drugs should be decriminalized. We'll get there. We're going to start with weed. It's, like, it's the gateway drug. True. We're going to start with weed and it's just going to get more. Dude, I cannot wait till the 2027 like cocaine legislation comes out <laughs> i'm gonna be so excited when people are just like yo i mean i need my medicinal cocaine to keep myself awake all day coffee just doesn't do it anymore um, i mean that's where it that's, that's where meth came from i think i mean and this is gonna be me showing my ass here but i don't know if it was the germans or the nazis who first sorry those are the same thing uh, the Nazis or the Japanese in World War II who invented uh, the first methamphetamines to give to their soldiers to get them, you know, they were like, hey, this is like super coffee, guys. Take this. Yeah. And it worked for a little while. <laughs> Can you imagine a bunch of methed out soldiers? <laughs> what would yeah. the... Holy shit, man. The fighting capability of a bunch of like 100 dudes on meth would be insane. It's like that meme that's been going around about how being an old-timey doctor would be great because you could just show up drunk and then tell someone to put cocaine in their blood and leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, just, that just sounds like the coolest job ever. And I love, like, people will, like, post pictures of, like, old medicine. And it's mm-hmm. like, this this medicine is, like, 10%, you know, alcohol, 50, 50% meth. 
It's like, wow! That's what medicine used to be. You ever heard of laudanum? No. Laudanum was like, I don't know, like cough syrup, alcohol, uh, opium, and fucking like, I don't know, a fucking turpentine or some shit. And it was like, give it to your baby. They'll go right to sleep. Yeah. For hundreds of reasons. I'm like, no shit. This will do- Like, hey, are you feeling, are you feeling like you're a little bit sad? Take some laudanum. And I'm like, yeah, I would not feel sad anymore. Yeah, I do love how back then it was, if they, if they found one thing that worked, if they found a bunch of things that worked, they would just throw them all together in huge quantities and be like, okay, use this now. Just go for it, man. It'll all be good. I miss the days when you could just you could just take cocaine and it was a cool, right? Like you were just a cool regular dude. Yeah, just going to work, you know? Or you just, you go to a soda fountain and you get it right out of the soda fountain and just <laughs> drink it, have, for, have some lunch, go back to work, you know? Could See, commit adultery on your wife. Uh, just do after, the, after the 2027 cocaine legislation, we need to bring back the uh, like old timey snuff boxes. Yes. You just pull it out in the middle of a meeting and do a bump right there, and everyone's like, "Oh, cool and good, normal." Yeah, man, it'll it'll be wild. Having a normal one out here, just taking a bump of cocaine in the middle of my, uh, I mean, ideally my workers' council meeting. Yeah, I think I think the weird thing is we're kind of getting there because. For as long as I can remember, probably, I mean, longer than you can remember, probably as long as our dad can remember, even, like, smoking weed has always been at the forefront of culture. Like, people, everyone knows about it, even though it's illegal, everyone knows it, you know, plenty of people have done it, and it's just, it's been there. But cocaine has always been kind of that thing that at first it was like, just rich people did it, and then it was like, just, you know, certain, just certain kinds of people do it. But now... More and more, you meet people who will just kind of talk about it like it's nothing. Like, oh, yeah, just, you know, did some cocaine, whatever. Um, so we're getting to the point where now cocaine is kind of becoming, because now that marijuana is having its heyday of becoming legal, people are like, well, what's next, you know? So, yeah, I th- so I think we're at that point right now where cocaine is getting a little more into the limelight as far as, you know, just culture in general. And it's just going to go forward and, you know, like I said, 2027, we're going to have some, some cocaine legislation. I uh, I remember this one time I was at, a, I was at a, a friend's house with a friend. Now, you know how, like, you have friends that are like, these are my friends, and these guys are friends, but I don't really know them that well. Yeah, they're you know friends that? of friends of friends of friends. Right, yeah. So I'm here with a friend of mine with some friends that uh-huh. I kind of know. And we're all sitting around. We've been we've been doing some uh, 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 illicit activities of, of different sorts, and... We were having some kind of conversation about something, and I remember at, that po- at this point, one of the one of my uh, friends, she reaches into her her purse and pulls out a little baggie of cocaine, and throws it onto uh, the three point the Dungeons and Dragons three point five uh, uh, player's handbook, and so it's like let's do some lines, <laughs> and me and my friend were like, we gotta go, yeah, we, we have to leave. This is this is you know there's like a line in your mind of illegality that you won't cross. You're like I'll do these legal things, oh, yeah. but not those, right? Yeah, no, that's just when you're like, okay, I'm gone, and it's right, fine. I, just know your limit and leave when it's about to be crossed. Like I'm never, I'm never gonna go and use a borehole, right? Never gonna do that. But I will smoke weed every day if I could, right? Borehole. So like, oh my god, <laughs> we're bringing that gym back. <laughs> so there's some lines you won't cross, and that was our line, a literal line of cocaine. <laughs> we okay, won't here's what there. I want to know. Let's uh-huh. be honest with me for a second. It's the same scenario. You're there with a friend, and then some friends, right? Mm-hmm. 
And instead of pulling out a bag of cocaine, they go in their bathroom and pull out a pig. And they're like, we're all going to fuck this thing right now. <laughs> oh you my think that's God. a comparable scenario? You think that happens? I mean, has it ever happened? Probably. Has, yeah. anyone- has it happened? Sure. Does it happen is a different question. I don't know, man. Maybe. Get a little teacup pig, use it as a, a living uh, a flashlight. Yeah, okay. sure. Next. <laughs> we did- Moving on from bestiality as a topic but back to the original point of chuck schumer and the weed stuff right yes and then there was a little bit of pushback against this idea from the left and i'll give us credit for this we did say hey decriminalizing marijuana is good we want that but you've got to also get folks out of prison who were there on marijuana Marijuana and i will say this i do not say this often is that i have to agree or I have to endorse the words, at least, maybe not the Ds, the words of Kamala Harris, who mm-hmm. said that she agrees. She says we need to push for, for uh, you know, amnesty. For people who are, if we decriminalize marijuana, people in prison should be released and because uh, it's not a crime anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So that, by the way, was two years ago an unthinkable idea. No one in mainstream politics would say that. But now we've got them saying it. And I'm not sure they'll follow through or not, but they are saying it, right? And that's important. Yeah, it needs to get done. Because, I mean, you have to imagine how shitty would you feel if, you know, you're at prison and on the news it's saying, oh, marijuana's legal. Look at this. Look at this marijuana billionaire over here who does what you did to get in prison and is doing it gainfully. But you still have to be here, even though it's legal. And you weren't even doing it as, like, a real business. You were just doing it, you know, to supplement your income, you know? Yeah, it's like, I, that is that is just wild to think that, that that could be the scenario we're in in a couple of, hell, months. True. And also there's there's kind of a racial element to it as well. Yeah. Is when, you know, white people come in and create, they're, they're called like weed entrepreneurs and stuff yeah. like that, you know. But black people who've been selling it for years and growing it and selling it and all that are still seen as thugs and criminals because of the same thing. Yeah, like I told you, I think when we talked about, what's it, Powder Mountain or whatever, what's it called? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that, you know, marijuana entrepreneur, and I'm just like, that is just the most disgusting word that can ever be associated with a person right now, considering there's so many people who are in prison with it. Like, what if murder was legalized one day? Let's just think about this. The How purge? bad would murderers feel <laughs> being in prison? Um... Pretty bad. I They'd be like, whoa, that's not fair. Let me out. I don't want to start murdering again. So wait a minute. Hold on now. I did mention The Purge, which we all, we all saw The Purge. Y'all remember that movie? Yeah. Um, do you think that like people who were in prison for murder before The Purge like looked it up on the calendar and were like, hey, wait a minute. Hold on now. I murdered on Purge Day six years ago before Purge was real. I should be let out of prison. No, because I feel like they'd be like, well, The Purge wasn't real then, so doesn't matter. But hold on now. How fe- different from us saying that marijuana was illegal back then? I don't think I don't think these two things are comparable in my mind. I think they are. You know what? In that scenario, free them. <laughs> but only those murderers who murdered on that day. Yeah. Between ah, those hours. I have a controversial opinion to okay. free all prisoners. <laughs> free everyone who is in prison. I mean, I don't know the statistics of of prisoners or whatever, but I'm going to reckon that probably more than 50% of them are locked up for bullshit drug charges, right? Yeah, or something even more bullshit than that, you know? 
Yeah, like yeah. so. Yeah, free most like prisoners murder. probably. Murder. <laughs> What'd you do? Yeah. You killed somebody? Yeah. Who hasn't? <laughs> Go out, buddy. Yeah, uh, I mean, who gives a shit, right? Um, but I do want to say something real quick about the idea that talking about something in the mainstream is important. Uh, yes. Getting these ideas out there. And even if, even if you don't put them into practice, you're still talking about them. You're normalizing these these controversial ideas that people maybe not ever exposed to. So the idea of decriminalizing marijuana and freeing you know prisoners that that were locked up for it is revolutionary to some people, right? Yeah. And this is kind of evidenced, I think, in this uh, uh the small um, poll that was conducted um, recently. By uh, the Harvard, well, I'll just read the, the I'll just read the excerpt here. Um, studies suggest that young people with few memories of the Cold War embrace socialism far more than older people do. A 2016 survey of 18 to 29 year olds at Harvard's Institute of Politics found that 16 percent identified as socialists, while 33 percent supported socialism. Only 42 percent supported capitalism, while a majority, 51 percent, said they did not. Those results surprised John Della Volpe, the Institute's director of polling, so much that he thought they might be a mistake. He conducted a new study, this time with the same general population, and or sorry, by the of the general population, and got the same result. Nice. So like, I mean, I want to credit a lot of this, in my opinion. This this may be giving him too much credit with Bernie Sanders. Sure. Like, would you would you agree that was the first time you ever saw a politician that, I don't know was left-leaning that seemed legitimate to you? Of course. I mean, yes. I think a lot Who of Who else do we have? Um, I would say Keith Ellison, uh, but he's much, 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 much less known than me. Yeah, as I say, he's nowhere near as well-known. I, I probably, like, I'd say almost 90% of Americans, probably more, don't know who Keith Ellison is. Oh, for sure. I put, I put it at 95, yeah. 99%, really, to be honest. Yeah, truly. But... The thing is, is that is that Bernie Sanders was a big national level politician, right? He ran a primary campaign against yes. you know Hillary Clinton, and mobilized tons of people. And I think that I mean, even though Bernie Sanders is not a socialist, I know folks hate to hear it, but Bernie Sanders is not a socialist. He he has some socialist policies, but he is not himself a socialist candidate. Yeah, um, he has energized a lot of young people, right, who don't remember the Cold War and don't give a shit that are. Wanting something different. Yeah, I agree. And you know what I think the left needs? What's up? We need our version of Eugene V. Debs. Um, I mean, he was on the left, so... Exactly. But we need a modern one. A modern Eugene V. Debs. I think we need a, we need a, a modern Huey Long. Him, too. Put, get, get, put, put them both. Get the Eugene V. Debs to be the guy who is wild and gets put into prison and still gets like 3% of the vote. And then we'll have Huey Long who will not be in prison and will hopefully get a little bit more. Well, Huey Long will be the guy who's doing all the actual crimes exactly. in the name of leftism. <laughs> in the name of, of good things. He'll be a leftist vigilante. Crime for the crime for the right reasons, in my opinion. My controversial support for, uh, <laughs> for, for Eugene... Or, sorry, for uh, uh, Huey Long uh, And comes my non-controversial support for Eugene V. Debs. That's true. Everyone loves Eugene V. Debs. I mean, come on. How could you not? I mean, I can't think of a more baller person in political history than Eugene V. Debs. That's true. That man did he, some wild shit. 
He ran for president from prison. On won, openly a socialist. In and w- what what year was it that he ran? Oh man, was it like nineteen sixteen or something? Like yeah, that? it was like nineteen sixteen before we even knew what socialism was. And also won two percent of the fucking vote. Yes, which sounds minuscule, but remember he was in prison. And running as a socialist. Yes. And this it's is not like the prison these days where you can release mixtapes from prison. It was different. And also it was, let's not forget, uh, a time when uh, information did not travel nearly as easily as it does now. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty fucking impressive what he did. And it's probably the most successful socialism has ever been in, uh, in America, I think. Probably between there and the New Deal somewhere that time anyways. Yeah. And then it went into the Dark Ages for a while. And Which it's, it's having its heyday. Yeah, I think I think oh, now right. things are starting to get better. We're, we're we're coming around because capitalism has failed us so utterly. Yeah. And uh, we we need a different fucking we need something else. You know? Hey, and you know what? We talk a lot about capitalism, but in the grand scheme of things, if you had to look at it with the most rosy-eyed view ever, capitalism worked for a time. But it's time to move on, you know. If yeah. we had, if we just have to put the best silver lining ever, it worked for a little while. Let's 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 get something new. We got to break up with capitalism and find something different for a while. Yeah, a system that works is. I mean, a lot of systems can work, but not all of them are good, right? So yeah, they need the longevity. Some some can work for a little while. And there's you know of course the the belief that capitalism is destined to fail, which I think it is. I think that. There's too many contradictions in it uh, that yeah, prevent it from... I don't think that's just a belief. I think that's just absolute fact. So, yeah. We're, we're getting there. It won't be long now before uh, before it just it just gets too much, you know. It won't be able to hold itself together. And we're, see, we're seeing the cracks in the foundation right now. I mean, and the only reason it even lasted this long was because, in America at least, because of the New Deal, right? Yeah, I think that... And it's, especially because... It's I don't know, back then we were, we, we had, I don't know, people had more respect for the president, even if they weren't on your party. That doesn't really happen anymore. No. If the president isn't on your party, you just don't respect them at all. But back then, you know, you kind of, you respected him no matter what. So then when the New Deal came out, even people who didn't agree with its policies respected it and went with it and upheld it for as long as they could until it became, you know, not cool anymore. Because, like, think about it. If we hadn't had the New Deal happen there would have been a revolution in America. There would have been an uprising in the streets. Yes, yeah, certainly. And there's just no way around that that truth of... Uh, the fact, I mean, this was what would have happened. if they had, And I think Roosevelt understood that, and that's why he did the New Deal, because he didn't want to see a violent revolution in America. So, there was, it was... I think he pretty much said that to the rich people, too. It was like, hey, either we fucking... Do, either you give me the money, or they're going to come for it and take it their way. And you're going to like my way a lot better than theirs. Yeah. And I think that'll probably, probably what will happen at some point here soon. I don't think we have anybody, you know, any any politicians who are going to be able to pull off what Roosevelt did. Yeah, not with the current political landscape. Like, people are at each other's throats all the time over even the smallest things. And nobody, I mean, almost nobody at this point respects the president. Even people who are on his side don't even respect him. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, we're getting to a, we're getting to a weird time. Well, we're in such a weird position of political fucking, uh, 
discord, I guess, right? We're pulled in two different directions so so hard. Or so, not in, in more than two, really. And we've never been more divided as a people since the Civil War, right? Like, the Civil War was probably the last time the American people were this, were this divided on stuff. Yeah. And I don't see any way around it, you know? I don't see a way out of it. Civil War Two Coming up. Oh, no, no, no. 2.0. Oh, 2.0. You're right. That's what we call it now. Civil War, Civil War 2.0. So that's, that's the future. Um, I think that the next Civil War will break down along urban-rural lines. It'll probably be the, the city versus the the country, probably. What do you mm-hmm. think? I don't know if it'll be city versus country. I think it's going to be more... Uh, I think it's going to be more like left versus right, almost. Think about those divides, right? There's mostly left people. Mostly who will live in the cities, right? That's true. Maybe coasts versus inner part of the country. Yeah, it'll be like a like a hot dog. <laughs> people, I mean, people always say you know the coasts are liberal or whatever, and that uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe ocean air makes you <laughs> makes you left. Yeah, I don't know what it there's is. Something in it. Uh, but people in the center of the country generally aren't quite so uh, down with leftist or liberal ideas. So. Hell, so, that's what will happen. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But hopefully it'll all take place, like, on Fortnite instead of in real life. We'll just all fight it out on a video game. And then we'll take off our VR goggles and we'll just sign the papers as to who won. Because as we all know from uh, from uh, Steven Spielberg, Seminole War, Ready Player One, uh, war will <laughs> in the future be fought between uh, uh, big armies of anime characters instead yes. of uh, actual humans in the streets. Also, I feel like when we when we talk about it, it sounds like we don't like the movie. But if you listen to our bonus episode, you'll know we actually do very much enjoy this movie. Yeah, that's um, true. But it is fun to talk about it like this. But hold on now. I think you might be on to something, right? Because what if, in the future, we just replace all warfare with Fortnite matches? I, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, would that okay? Hold on now. Let's think about this for a second, though. Is there any, is there a professional Fortnite? Yes. Because like, if it was like professional League of Legends, I think South Korea would own the world, right? Yeah, pretty much. If it's any video game, like South Korea can not play a video. Like you, you could have an esports scene for a video game for years, and kind of try to perfect it, get as good as possible. And then South Korea can start playing that game for like a month and be- get, become the best team in the world. They only haven't done that with like Counter Strike. Every other game, they can just be the best at if they want to. Um, they just choose not to play certain games, I guess. Um, they don't have a Fortnite scene yet. If if the war were to come to Fortnite, I'm sure they'd learn. We haven't even talked about the Koreas on this episode. We haven't talked at all about Koreas, which is crazy. Well, that's probably get saved for next week, but yeah, that's that's a wild story that's come out this week. That's true too. Um, peace, peace in our time, right? In the, in Korea, something's happening. I don't know if it. I don't. I don't know. It all sounds fishy. Well, here's what I think: is that the Koreas should settle their differences with a, with a, with a Fortnite match. They should. Yeah, they should do it, do it in Fortnite. Uh, well, should it be one Fortnite match or best of three? It depends how you. It depends how you do it. I think because if, <laughs> if it would be like just fifty versus fifty, one game. If uh-huh. it's gonna be a couple of squads going in at each other. Maybe a tournament style would work, but then in the tournament style, I guess there could be a a, a, a point where the finals can be between the same Korea, and at that point, I guess you've already won. It's true. So it's true. And also, if it's video games, South Korea is going to win because they don't even know what Fortnite is in North Korea. 
Now, here's a question for you. You said that there's not really a Fortnite scene in South Korea yet. Is are they, are they more of a PUBG country? Uh, I don't know. I mean, as far as as far as like what they play casually, I have no idea. But as far as esports, they don't play either of them at a professional level very much. Like, could you even make PUBG into an esport? Is that possible? It is. is it? I mean, it it has been. It was like last year when it was when the game was huge. There was a very big esports scene for it, and it was going. It was kind of flourishing. Ever since Fortnite came out, and people have kind of switched to that, it's been going down. And Fortnite has been on the rise. Um, I don't know who's going to win these battle royale wars. I, I, I hate the idea that we're in this bubble right now where everyone's trying to make a battle royale game. It um, was MOBAs and now it's battle royales. I mean, I mean it's not like battle royales are take like MOBAs are still big. It's just that like the yeah the, like the big fad of like oh let's all make one and then in the end, just like with MOBAs, the original two are going to be the ones that everyone plays. That's true. So I don't see. What, I, I think that PUBG and Fortnite should take this battle royale thing they should be the battle royale games and you should just make something new but no now everyone is making a battle royale game um high res the most original studio in the fucking world has made is making their paladins game into a battle royale game um well i mean dude did you see that the next call of duty game is not even gonna have a campaign really yeah they're cutting out single player entirely it's gonna be multiplayer and apparently a battle royale mode of course by the way, can we talk about it for a second? The fact that Fortnite went from being a joke game, right? That was like, oh, this is this sucks, everyone hates it. Uh, it's not as cool as it's going to be. To like, they added battle royale mode, and now it's like the fucking biggest thing in now the it's world. The biggest game in the fucking world. Yeah, it's actually funny because I know for so long, I know we used to live with this guy who was a big fan of Cliff Blazinski, Fifty mm-hmm. B as he's known, and they, the, Fortnite has been in development for years years and years and years and all like for a long time what we heard about it was oh it's gonna be this game where you have to build your own fort and defend it from you know zombies and aliens or whatever and that is part of fortnite um it's the campaign that no one plays um but then when pubg got big they were like hey we kind of have a good system for making a battle royale game too why don't we just add it in real quick to fortnite for our beta release and then they did and this is where we are now it's, now you got fucking drake playing it it's drake Travis Scott, Lil Uzi Vert, Kim.com, and then Ninja are all playing together, and it's just the biggest game in the world. Um, everyone's playing it. I fucking, I play the hell out of it. I've been playing it this week, um, whenever I have time. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a phenomenon, I guess. It's it on fucking feels, phones! Yeah, which is insane. It kind of feels like Fortnite managed to eat PUBG's lunch out from under it, right? Yeah. I mean, PUBG still kind of has its scene, but... It's very much being overtaken by uh, Fortnite. Which is insane, because that and wasn't it, even the original. It comes down to the free-to-play versus pay-to-play model. That's true. That is true, I think. At the end of the day. And, and then once Fortnite came to consoles, holy shit, it exploded. That was when people were like, wait a minute, there's a free-to-play game on my console that's super fun, and then I can play with my friends and you know work at and just play all day? I'm in goes to show you man free people love free shit yeah and in the social socialist future all games will be free to play in the socialist future fortnite will be the official sport of america <laughs> well in the socialist future fortnite will be how we solve international problems that's true well there won't we'll be just, international problems so that's true that is true well, well you know what we're going to solve the palestinian crisis by having the how the a palestinian team play the israeli team in fortnite and the, no sorry i can't make this joke it's too terrible yeah we're cutting that out <laughs> 
I think we're done, right? Yeah. We pretty much recorded think, an entire I think episode that's here. that's the podcast. Um, cool. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Life of Seth. You can find him at, is it Surf MC or MC Surf? MC Surf. MC Surf. On Twitch, he's Surf MC. That's true. Um, our artwork was done by the elusive Marcus Barkley. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to get him on the podcast one day whenever he is living in an actual house and not some hut somewhere that happens to have internet. Yeah. Um, uh, if you like the show, be sure to, sub- I don't know, say like and subscribe on us, Jesus Christ, watch them on YouTube. I know, share it around, tell people, yeah. tweet at us, tweet at other people, let them know, hey, we like the Lineals podcast, they're, they're pretty cool, so that'd be nice. Yeah. And as always, fuck the New England Patriots. You can lead a horse to water, but it won't go under it. And as from the Steven Spielberg instant classic Ready Player One, uh, we've reached a time where we're not trying to solve problems, we're just trying to outlive them. Thank you. Great. We're out.